Hey, this is Howard Jacobson, and I am very excited to be joined today on the phone by Chef Del Schroff, who has just written a new, um, well, cookbook slash uh, autobiography slash nutrition book called Better Than Vegan. Welcome, Del. Thank you, Howard. Great to be with you. Yeah, so the first thing I've got to ask you about is the title is a little bit in your face. So, right? <laughs> and and I'm, I'm wondering if that was intentional. Um, um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't. Um, my co-author, Glenn Mercer, had a friend who had, um, had gone through some uh, health issues himself and then discovered a plant-based diet, and he's the one that coined the phrase better than vegan. And when Glenn... Um, for, uh, gave it to me and said, "Hey, what do you think about this?" I, I at first I was like, "You," I'm like, yeah, "That's a little bit in your face," but as I thought about it, I'm like, "No, that's good." It, it really challenges people right from the start. Um, the funny thing is that there are several vegan friends of mine who've been like, "Hey, what's this about?" You know, and they're kind of defensive about it, and uh, once they sort of hear the story, they're like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true." Right. <laughs> Everybody you, you, sort of gets think, it eventually. You know, well, now we've discovered that plants have feelings, so we 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 eat nothing. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, I chew rocks. I'm better than vegan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't eat anything living ever. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's get let's get right down to it. So I've interviewed a lot of people, and one of the common stories, you know, no, almost no one grows up plant-based, vegan, vegetarian. They all have their epiphany moment. And so the story almost always goes, I was eating a standard American diet, and then something happened, or I, you know, and then I switched to a plant-based diet, and everything got better. That's not your story, is it? No, not at all. In fact, I had no thoughts of, probably like a lot of people, of, of, of pursuing a vegan or vegetarian diet. But I actually dropped out of college and went to work for a vegetarian restaurant seeking to get management experience. And they offered me a job, and I kind of fell in love with the restaurant and love with the environment and eventually fell in love with the food and, and this sort of slowly evolved into um, a vegetarian diet. And by the time I left there eight and a half years later, I had become vegan and opened up um, my own vegan bakery. So it was an evolution for me. It wasn't this big epiphany of, of any sort, um, but just being in that environment uh, for all those years seemed to do its job on me. Right. So, so in, from a uh, from an ethical and political and economic and spiritual sense, your veganism was a a sort of slow and steady evolution. But what didn't what didn't go along with it was, um, you know, the physical, the 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 health aspects. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about you know what, what you what you write about at the beginning of the book, which I found so shocking. Um, well, just you know your your history with your you know battling weight and the way you were eating and your kind of you know the the, the yeah. family of origin issues. Yeah, and I was you know I was on my first diet when I was eight years old and it was a restrictive calorie diet and it sort of sets you up for uh, a lot of problems later because if, if anyone knows uh, that pays attention um, when you restrict calories when you starve your body eventually the hunger mechanism wins out right. And so after decades of dieting that way, of, of just not eating to lose weight and binging and starving diet and all of that, um, I, I think it eventually caught up to me. But uh, what happens is I do what maybe I've always done is I'm looking for some sort of quick fix. And I think maybe the vegetarian diet or the vegan diet, you know, I thought, 
okay, this diet is just naturally healthier. Everyone was telling me that in, in the restaurant I worked at. You know, going vegetarian is just healthier, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting here looking at our menu and going, okay, they, they're eating quiche. There's eggs and butter and dairy and cream and that. That's healthy. Okay. Uh, there's nachos. I love nachos. Okay, those are healthy. Right? So all those things. And even as we transitioned our menu into a vegan menu, it was still full of the high-fat oils and all of that. And you've always heard that oils are health food. You know, you've, you've never heard that uh, until, you know, the past, what, five, ten years where we really seriously hearing that oils are not healthy. So it, um, it sort of happened and snuck up onto me again that here I am in this environment and I'm adopting this diet, this lifestyle, and uh, in some ways thinking that I'm doing it and, and to be healthy and then and, and not. You know, it, it did its thing just like any other diet that I'd ever done because I really wasn't paying close attention to what was going on. I dove in head first and then off I went. Um, but the same old habits came back in there. In other words, I've been addicted to high-fat foods all my life, and, and I deny them for a long period of time, and then all of a sudden they're there in front of me and off I go. So it, that's what happened really um, um, to me. And in the course of a few years, I gained over 200 pounds on a vegan diet. And it was eating potato chips and drinking beer. And, you know, beer can be vegan. And um, the high-fat plant foods like avocados and coconut and, uh, as we say in the book, Thai vegetable curries and, and all kinds of things like that that are good, delicious, amazing foods, but full of fat and, uh, in a lot of cases, empty calories. Right. So uh, when you say you gained two hundred pounds, what 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 did you weigh at uh, at your heaviest? Four uh, four hundred and seventy five pounds. And I I did not put this in the book, but do you know how I you know you can't buy scales that go up that high. So I actually had a friend who was a veterinarian that let me weigh myself on the scale one day, and I, I did not put that in the book because it was just an embarrassing fact. But that's how I knew. Mm. So, but you you'd had weight problems. If you had one on your first diet when you were eight, you've you've had struggles with weight your entire life. Yeah, I've been on and off diets, and, and the yo-yo dieting thing is, um, I think, common because they don't work. I mean, if you don't find a permanent way of eating that um, is sustainable, then the same thing happens to, to most Americans. We lose weight, we gain back weight, we gain more weight. You know, we lose weight, we gain more weight, and eventually it gets out of control. And I'd done that several times. I'd been above 300 pounds more than once, um, but it always managed to lose the weight. But probably at my average as an adult, I was probably around between 225 and 250 pounds. So I was a big guy, um, and still I'm a big guy as I still deal with the rest of uh, of the weight and, and try and, and work it off um, all the more sustainably than I used to. Mm-hmm. So, so at you you went from like two hundred and fifty or something up to four hundred and seventy five or th- mm-hmm. on on a vegan diet. On a vegan diet. So, do you think now, partly that it was um, you, because it was vegan, you sort of felt like, well, this must be healthy, so you had permission to eat more. I did. Oh yeah, and, and, and you know, part of it too. I started a business. I opened up a vegan bakery, and, and probably was spending more energy eating that food too. But we had some healthy items in my bakery. We had um, whole grain calzones with uh, black bean chili and and other things in them, and we had um, some sugar free whole grain desserts and things like that. But it was still the concentrated calories in a lot of the foods. Um, but yeah, I did. I gave myself permission because. Um, everything around me was saying how healthy this vegan diet was, and uh, it, it can be as unhealthy as, as any other diet that you'll do if you don't do it right. Mm-hmm. Right, and I've, I've 
I kind of felt like you know the vegan diet is really healthy until I, I went um, last spring to a vegan blogging conference and discovered that there were you know everyone there was really hardcore vegan. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I realized at that conference that I was not a vegan by their definition. Mm-hmm. You know that I was I was eating you know almost 100% plant based, but the almost was a big thing, and I wasn't wearing the the moo shoes and yeah. you know and all that. So I you know I discovered that I, I didn't really know what this world was about. But I was shocked by how many people looked not just overweight but unhealthy. And then yeah. when when I saw this, the food sponsors and the the meals they were serving, it started to kind of come together. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We. I don't want to name any of them, but they 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 definitely do not contribute to a healthy plant based diet. The the processed food manufacturers in the vegan realm are just as unhealthy as as, as some of the dairy and meats that we see in, in our store um, uh, shelves. They're high fat, high in sugar. Right, you know they're just they're just not healthy. They're good, and that's the other problem. They're addictive, you know, because they taste so good. Right, and I discovered, you know, once I started uh, going to Whole Foods all the time, that there was a halo effect. Like if it was in Whole Foods, yep. that meant that I didn't have to think about it. Right, it had been pre pre um, okayed. And that's what was happening to me. And the, the vegan diet was a halo effect for me. You know, it was, um, there were a lot of healthy vegans and, and even in the restaurant I worked at, most people were pretty healthy and normal weight. Um, of course, I, I actually never think, I don't think I looked back to see who was actually vegan and who wasn't or who was vegetarian and who wasn't. So, um, but I put that halo effect into my own realm. So, so you're 475 pounds. You're, you're working day and night to make your vegan bakery a success. You write, I, I love this line. You have, you have these different, these laws, Chef Dell's laws of nutrition. I love the fourth <laughs> one. Having a secret place to eat is generally a bad sign. Oh my God, yeah. Well, point. and it, it goes back to the, you know, when you're an eight year old child that's put on a restrictive diet and told not to eat. So we, we got rid of candy and everything that we might have liked in our house and we're eating just very little food. And, and imagine when you get the freedom to actually, I, so I used to leave my house as an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old, and mom would give us lunch money. So 34 cents was the price of lunch back in those days. And we, my brother and I both, because we were both on the same diet, would take it to the, the penny candy store on the way to school and buy 34 pieces of candy. But we couldn't take that back into the house, so we had to eat it before we got home. So I had this secret culture of, of secretive eating most of my life. I still, and I still deal with that one today. I, I, I really have to make myself so if you come into my house, there's, there's nothing bad there because it just, it's too much freedom to, to, to do whatever I will with food. So, um, I like having allies that I, I share my story with and then share my meals with because, um, it, it keeps me accountable and keeps it very public. Right. And I think there's, there's something, it felt to me like, and I don't know how much you've talked about your story before writing the book. But to kind of put it out there in print where you can't really take it back, it feels like there's something very freeing about admitting you have a secret place, you've had secret places to eat, so that when you feel like going there, it doesn't, it's no longer secret, like the world knows that, that you, yeah, and you I'm, could do that. And I'm glad you said it because I, you know, I did very well at losing the first 200 pounds on this diet. The last 50 pounds has been more of a problem. And it's, it, we're finally having some success, success with it. And maybe in part because the book did come out. Um, but as I've made this much more public, 
um, it's gotten to be, it has gotten to be kind of liberating, kind of freeing, because, you know, now everyone knows, and there's a certain level of compassion that goes along with that, but there is still a bigger level of accountability. So I can't forever go along being the, the, the vegan who lost 200 pounds but still is 50 or 60 pounds overweight. That means that something's not happening. Mm-hmm. You know, and most likely that's not happening in secret. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, for, for, for me, I know that, you know, I've never, I've never been over 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. But I, I should be like, you know, 160 unless I put on a lot of muscle. And I'm, I'm around 170, 180. So, you know, I'm not, uh, no one's going to be taking any pictures of me, you know, in a bathing suit. Um, <laughs> and, and I know that one of the things that I do is eat to compensate for other joys that I might be denying myself or, mm-hmm. or, or to eat when I feel like I deserve like more happiness than I'm feeling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I've been there. I, I tend, I tend to eat wrongly more out of when I'm frustrated, angry, or bored. Um, it, it can lead to some maladaptive eating. But the one thing that's really, really helped me is, um, like I said, hunger is your enemy. So, I've gotten to a place where, and and I've really gotten good at this lately. I, I, it makes me pay attention to myself, but I make myself eat six meals a day. I call it scheduled eating so that every two and a half, three hours, I'm eating some kind of a meal that's very healthy. It's planned eating, so I know what I'm going to eat. Um, usually the first four or five meals, I'm, I'm pretty good at knowing what I'm going to eat, and I'm usually not hungry by meal six, so it's just some fruit or some bowl of rice or something. But um, having that structure in place, and then just not being hungry because you're eating this high-fiber food that's so filling, getting rid of that hunger mechanism and having this satiety, you know, in place um, really keeps the unscheduled, um, sabotaged eating at bay. I mean, it works very, very well for me, and it works better every day because it's just becoming more automatic. Mm. So that's, you know, as I'm hearing you say that, there are, I think there's. It's, that's one of those pieces of advice that people find inc- incredibly confusing. So, so I, I think I just I just read a story on Mind Body Green about a guy who dropped you know 300 pounds, and his strategy is don't eat between meals. Give your and he's got all these reasons that make a lot of sense to me. Like you want to mm-hmm. you, know, you you don't fuel, you know fuel while you're racing. You want to give yourself time. You want to uh, allow your energy to be used. And yet, when you talk about eating smaller meals, that makes sense to me too. I feel like you know, sort of throwing up my hands and saying, "Well, if everybody's right, who's you know, who's right?" <laughs> well, and you know, the the thing that I think maybe works from a scientific standpoint is when you eat six soft small meals a day, what you're really doing is keeping your blood sugar level. Mm-hmm. And when you keep your blood sugar level, you keep your hunger at bay. And it keeps, like I said, it keeps those cravings from really taking over your whole thought processes. So I, I, it's easier for me to walk by um, a five-pound bag of chocolate, which we have here for, for some of our, our menu items, or for it, through the potato chip aisle without, you know, I, I've, I've walked down certain aisles of the stores and my hand's reaching out for um, the, the bad food before I realize that I'm doing it. You know, and that's how almost automatic that kind of eating becomes. So having that hunger at bay has really helped to um, keep me focused on, on, on a bigger picture. Right. And I, w- I would say, you know, I, I tell everybody, like, whatever you're doing that's working, keep doing it. 
Mm-hmm. So there may be different strategies that that work for different people. I know we're 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 in a field, especially around plant-based or vegan nutrition, where we tend to become a little doctrinaire and dogmatic about yeah. it. this is the truth. And I, I I love what you wrote in the uh, the first chapter of the book about um, you know the, the limitations of what we know about science, mm-hmm. and you know how how it, it really is Im- impossible to. To get the you know the, the whole truth, but as in terms of working theories, uh, we have we have basic understanding, and then people can can adapt it. Yeah, I, you know, I think that uh, a lot of what I'm doing is trying to tell my story. I, I think the science is, is relevant where it is, um, but my my story I think speaks to a lot of people because there's a lot of similarities there. Um, but I think that the important part of my story is. Just the fact that, you know, again, I've lost 200 pounds, and while I don't know if the book makes it look easy, I hope that it doesn't, because it wasn't. Um, but I think it's a very human story that shows that, you know, we're all very, very human, and we come to where we tend to be um, from a lot of different places. You know, so how we get out of those, it's more than, like, you can't just tell everybody to eat broccoli and, and make them healthy. It, it just doesn't happen. You know, so you have to deal with um, whatever issues. So I, I teach cooking classes all the time to people who um, aren't necessarily emotional eaters or starve and binge dieters like I am. You know, some of these people just don't have the dietary pattern right. So everyone is a little bit different. The dietary pattern might ultimately be the same. A whole foods, low-fat, plant-based diet is a healthy way to go. And we know that the science says that, but you you have to figure out what in your life keeps you from getting to that point. For some people, it might just be the knowledge. For others, it's the emotions, and for others, it's boredom or whatever. You know. Right. So, so what what started turning things around for you from for 475 pounds to to where you are now? A uh, you know a, a better than vegan uh, <laughs> chef, teacher, and eater. Um, you know, at 475 pounds, um, life is not fun. Um, and But I was not really aware of how not fun it was until one day I fell, and um, I, I did something to my foot. I, I didn't know it until much later that I had broken a bone in my foot. But I fell on the ice and um, um, a very thin layer of ice in my backyard, and I got up and my foot was dangling there, and I popped it back into place and hobbled into the house and took some aspirin and lay down for an hour and cried and got back up and went back to work and um, wrapped my foot up and, and then there it was for a year and it wasn't it never really healed and at 475 pounds it wasn't going to and of course I didn't have health insurance so I didn't go to the doctors or the emergency room and um, I, you know maybe there's some of those weren't the smartest decisions but that's just what happened. Well, eventually, when I got sick and tired enough, I went to um, my friend and now business partner, Dr. Popper, at the wellness farm and said, I need help. I said, something has to change, and I, I knew the weight was an issue, um, but uh, I didn't really know what to do about it because, you know, I'd been on these diets all my life, and here I was still at 475 pounds. And, and so I, I went on the wellness farm diet, and um, I think asking for help is the beginning of, of a, a change for a lot of people. Um, being willing to be uh, open about the fact that you need help, and then having a conversation about it, and and then uh, of course I got lucky and went to someone who who put me on the right diet, and instead of on the next fad diet, you know, because I could have gone to the doctor and had the same conversation with different results. So that was the beginning of the change for me, and um, it was a slow and steady progress, but it was 
it was great um, being around uh, the work environment. You know, being at the wellness forum eventually um, helped a lot as I um, as I got to be around people who were also trying to work towards their health, or people like Dr. Popper who've been successful at achieving optimal health, but still work at it every day. Um, so that that was my turning point. Right. So, so and you wrote that the, the the big things for you were to eliminate oil and processed sugar and processed flour. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's a big one. It was a big part of, my course, you know, owning a bakery. It's a, a, a big part of the, the life anyway. But you know, even when I would eat at home um, and, and make myself a stir fry, for example, I can remember you know pouring the oil in the pan and not really paying attention to how much went in there. And, you know, remember, a tablespoon of oil is 128 calories and about 14 grams of fat. And it adds up really easily. If you use an extra 100 calories a day in your diet, it's a 10 pounds of weight gain in a year. So imagine, you know, that two or three tablespoons in every dish that you make uh, times three or four times a day, how easy it is to, to have empty calories adding up to fat that your body readily absorbs because that's what our bodies are designed to do. Hmm. Yeah, and I would never measure the oil because I didn't want to make a teaspoon dirty. <laughs> I could, I could eyeball that thing. That's exactly what I did. Of course, you know, I was a, a professional cook for uh, at that time over ten, twelve, thirteen years. Um, so yeah, I never, I never measured anything. I didn't need to. Well, my food didn't taste greasy, but that's what I was used to eating. It's funny if I, when I eat food with oil in it now, I, I, I don't like it if it's greasy. If I can taste that oil, it's, it's not attractive, and it also doesn't feel good. Um, I'm much less tolerant to it than I used to be. Right. So, so, you know, the, of those three things: oil, sugar, and flour. So we have, we have. There's a lot. There's a big movement in the country right now towards, you know, low-carb and paleo. So we're, we're all on the same page around sugar and flour. So yeah. that's, that's kind of easy. There's, yeah. there's nobody going around saying lots of sugar, lots of flour is great for you. But the oil thing, there's, there's a, I hear a lot of objections when, when I tell people my own version of the way I eat, the whole food plant-based diet, and I say no added oils, you know, what, one one objection I hear is, well, what about all the healthy oils, the olive oil, the almond oil, the coconut oil? Yeah, but there's a lot of science out there now, Howard, that shows that, that all of these oils still contribute to arterial, I can even say it, clogging, you know, so that they, they, they don't have a cardiovascular benefit. Um, it's just not there. So, and if we look at, go back to the China study and look at the healthiest populations on the planet, um, these people weren't eating oils. You know, so it's, uh, you know, where this healthy oil benefit came from is beyond me, but I, I'm not seeing any real science that shows that it's true. And if I see it, then I, I'd love to have a different conversation about how we healthfully adopt oils to our diet. But I'm seeing the opposite. And, and a lot of the science that I'm seeing, if you did, if you go to any one of Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn's talks, I mean, he's going to tell you and show you the science behind why oil's not good for you. Right. Well, I think oh, I hear a lot of people confusing oil and fat, and so there's yeah. there's, a, there's a large part of the paleo movement that's you know into sort of peak performance, and they talk a lot about your brain needs certain fats in order to function. Um, yeah, but what I hear and what what I apparently the science says is it's just not as much as we we say that it does. You know, fifteen uh, percent is the top number on fat in our diet that's uh, that's healthy. And the and again, going back to the healthiest populations on the planet, they're they're living to be very very old and healthy uh, with their fat intake under fifteen percent. 
So when we start talking fat at 30%, that, what's that extra 15% doing for us? Right. So, so the, uh, another objection I hear from folks is, and I, and I heard this du- directly from, from someone who mostly supports what I, what, you know, what we wrote in whole is I, I can go there except I have to stop at oil because if I don't use any oil, I am cutting myself out of 90% of the world's culinary, um, tradition. You know, all the, you know, these traditional di- dishes where you start with stir frying or you add a little bit of oil. What, what, what did you, what did you find about that? Is it, you know, is, is it really, are you sort of hermiting yourself in a, in a plain white world? Or? Mm, I, I don't think you always are. I, I think one of the things that I tell people is that you need to be an advocate for how it is you want to eat. Now, if, if I'm traveling through Thailand, we might be having a different kind of conversation, um, but 99% of us aren't. Um, but in, in this country, uh, I, I think that I do very well going into a restaurant and saying to um, the, the waiter or to the chef or to a manager, it's like, hey, look, I, I eat a very different diet, and I was hoping that you could make me something that doesn't have uh, uh, the oil on it. The vegan part's easy, but you know, if you want them to get the oil out, I think it's a matter of having that conversation, and the more we have it, the more I think that we make create that awareness in the culinary industry um, so that, that that people have options, but you know, my favorite Chinese place that delivers to my house has a steamed vegetable option on their menu with a brown sauce that doesn't have any oil in it and brown rice on the menu. Um, Dr. Popper uh, has gone to uh, her lake house up near Lake Erie in northern Ohio and gone into the Chinese restaurant and asked them to put um, brown rice on the menu, and they did it. You know, so it's it's sort of speaking up for what you want instead of assuming that the the world uh, that you have to be a passive interactant with the world that you live in. Hmm. So one 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 thing you wrote um, that I I was nodding my head at because it's so true is once you wrote about you know when Pam Popper, the head of the Wellness Forum, told you that you had to cook without oil and you were a little bit skeptical. You said you know I'm I'm only going to cook things that that tastes good, she said. You could taste it; would taste just as good without the oil. And then she said, "No, nobody ever missed the oil or noticed it was absent." And I had one. Yeah, I had one, one client that said to me, "You know what? Your food lately tastes less greasy." Mm-hmm. Nobody else noticed. Yeah, I love this sentence. This is the mind-boggling secret about oil. It's ubiquitous in processed foods. It's in most recipes you read. It has a prominent place in practically every kitchen pantry, and yet you don't miss it when it's gone. Mm-hmm. That I have I been, I, since I've been, ahead. you know, water sautéing or broth sautéing, um, it tastes better. And yeah. you know, may, maybe there was a little time period where I had to adjust. Well, I think more importantly, you feel better. Um, uh, the simple fact that, you know, I, I don't have high blood pressure and I don't have diabetes. I, I still have, you know, weight that I'm trying to lose and working and doing very well at lately as I really fine-tune my diet. But I, I don't feel like I'm missing out on good food. And I think oil was just one way to flavor food, and really it was part of an addiction that we were all just born with. I'm not born with, but, you know, grew up with. Um, and then giving it up, I, f- I find there's a lot of other ways to make my food taste good. I love fresh herbs and spices, and um, the, the water saute works really well for caramelizing onions and peppers and mushrooms and things like that. 
Um, it's, there are plenty of ways to build flavor in foods. And if you look at the ethnic traditions around the world that use spices in so many ways, um, yes, they use oil, but they also use a lot of great other flavorings that do a good job for, for giving us flavor in our food. So I, I don't feel like I'm missing out. I think I have a double win. <laughs> I get really good food, and I get my health, too. So I'm going to be around when I'm 80 and 85 years old and healthy enough to, to enjoy the world's culinary tr- traditions. And, and I think that's going to be the, the thing that makes me go, yay. You know, I did it right. Sweet. So now let's, uh, you're, you're, you are a chef and you have written a cookbook. So let's, let's talk about, uh, some of the things, um, in the cookbook. Um, okay. So one thing, one thing is it's a gorgeous book with beautiful photos. Yeah, a good uh, friend of mine did the photography and he's a great photographer. So I'm very happy with it. So it really, it really, you. it really makes this pop. You know, there's a lot of, uh, cook, you know, pe- people who, who, who eat and cook like we do tend not to get, you know, the million dollar cooking show, cooking channel. <laughs> so, so, so very often our material kind of looks cardboard, you know, and so, yeah, yeah. so I, I appreciate that the, there was a decision to put so much energy into the, the aesthetics of this. Um, well, g- give us a sense of some of the, you know, the, if someone is, is hearing this and says, well, you know, it sounds pretty, um, unhappy to, to just eat with no oil and it's just going to be like raw vegetables with vinegar. What are a couple of the recipes you'd point them to, to, to convert them? Something s- well, sort of simple being, and delicious. Well, being in America, we love pizza. Um, and, and there are, are a few pizza dishes in there that, and if you look at the pictures, they all pop with color. Um, there's there's nothing but color in those dishes, but there's also nothing but flavor. Um, so I love pizza. Now I don't eat a whole lot of it because it is a, made from a, even a whole grain flour. But on occasion, there's nothing wrong that says I can't have it. Um, and then ice cream. One of my favorite dishes. This is a five minute dessert, and it makes me very very happy. Is to take frozen bananas, and it's becoming kind of a movement in the plant based world of frozen bananas into a food processor with a little bit of plant milk and a pinch of stevia and then some other flavoring if you want like vanilla or a couple tablespoons of unsweetened cocoa and you've got this amazingly creamy instant ice cream that's that's uh, you know practically zero fat and and lots of flavor and has that creamy mouth feel and it feels like you're cheating um, so those are a couple of my favorites there's smoothies in there that are also great five minutes meal there's a mango and ginger smoothie that I, I love um, there's um, soups that are, some of them are easy. There's a smoky black bean bisque that's rich with flavor and creamy, and I eat it both as a soup and as a topping for baked potatoes. Um, so there's a lot of great dishes. Breakfast, if you if you like that Saturday brunch, there's a tofu scramble and a breakfast burrito and a, a tofu casserole that has kind of a caramelized baked potato, sliced potatoes baked on top of it. Um, so there's plenty of variety I think the the thing that surprises people the most that you 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 get to eat a lot of different kinds of dishes, um, and I get to eat food from around the world. I eat, there's a Turkish lentil soup in there. It's one of my favorites. It's five ingredients uh, with very little effort. It comes together and it tastes great. So I I, I think that uh, people are are going to eventually wake up that oh my gosh, uh, the healthiest food can taste good too, and I think that's what this book helps show. Great. So to to what extent do you think? It just tastes good right off the bat, or we have to readjust our taste buds a little bit. 
I think it kind of depends on where you come from. I come from a family that loves good food, so I've eaten vegetables all my life. I mean, the vegetables have never not been a part of my eating. Now, they haven't necessarily been the healthiest, and then learning to the transition from the oil to the no oil was a big one for me. But, um, you know, for me, it, that part was easy. Uh, if you're, and I see a lot of kids growing up that the only vegetables they get are the ketchups on their french fries. And that's a sad and scary state of the world. So when you take a kid into a grocery store and they, they can't tell you what a turnip is or can't tell you even what a whole potato looks like, um, we have a problem. So, uh, you know, that's, I don't know, maybe I, I was lucky um, um, in my unluckiness. Maybe I was lucky. My, my, my mother and my father really did promote healthy eating. It's just that we had a different view of what healthy eating was. Mm-hmm. Um, so now you you also you know you talk about having uh, struggled with with weight and eating and being put on you know crazy restrictive diets and developing uh, sneaky coping patterns. Do you find that f- for some reason you need to be pretty close to a hundred percent? Because I know a lot of people read this and say, well, you know, every so often I'll eat out, I'll have a little oil or, you know, a teaspoon in the in the stir fry versus none is okay. Do you feel that that, you know, that that some degree of moderation is okay for some people and not others? Or would you advocate that pretty much everybody, if they want to be healthy, go 100 percent no oil? added sugars or, or processed foods? Uh, you know, there's a, a, a group of people out there that, that are, are pretty hardcore about it, and I understand why, especially if you've had any of the diseases that we talk about that this diet helps, um, then for a lot of people, then 100% is, is the way to go. If you have cardiovascular disease, you don't touch salt, and you don't touch oil. You know, you, you keep that fat content down below 10%. If you've had diabetes or have diabetes, then you need to be really, really careful. But it's hard to tell... The, the normal healthy person, uh, the person who's generally young and healthy, never to eat sugar, never to have a glass of wine, never to um, eat a, a dish with oil in it. But I think the, the truth is that the dietary pattern is, is what matters. So the totality of your diet, if once this week you've had a stir-fry that had oil in it and the rest of your dietary pattern is good, do you think that, that oil in that one dish is going to be the downfall of your health? Now, for someone like me, I'm at a place where... Um, as I've struggled with the last 50 pounds, I, I really did struggle with this after I lost that first 100 pounds, in part because, I mean, there are probably a lot of reasons, but I did fall my, find myself on that slippery slope where I can't spend much time around things like sugar or beer or things like that because the, when I have it, the more I want it. And, and it might be the, the psychology for me of someone who's been denied these things or, or has denial as a part of the dietary pattern um, that it's a bad idea to, to go near those things for a while. But um, oil I've had in my diet, yes, I, lately I'm at a place, I started working out with a trainer this past October. My trainer is one of the healthiest plant-based eaters I've ever met in my life. I mean, he has this food, he, he, he doesn't even care if food tastes good, it just has to be healthy. And he's a very, very healthy guy. And, you know, I've been sort of just paying attention to his dietary pattern and then, and looking at it and comparing it to my own and realizing, like, oh, I, I cheat more than I really should be, and I need to pay closer attention to these things. And as I have, I've started to see weight loss of one, one and a half pounds a week and my energy going up and then feeling better all around and not missing 
um, you know, these things. But I had a glass of wine January 4th at a birthday party. I had one glass of wine, and that was it. Um, there was a lot of really unhealthy food at that party. I, I did not have it. As a matter of fact, I took my own dish, and my best friend who had the party knows that I'd be bringing a dish. And um, I had that, and I had I took some collard greens that were fat-free, and I took a, a, a lasagna recipe out of my the Forks Over Knives cookbook. And, and I and another friend of mine who happened to be there was also plant-based. She and I ate that and watched everybody else eat um, all the other stuff. So um, for me, I... I, I really feel good right now staying away um, from all of those things that are triggers for me for unhealthy eating, but um, I don't know if I'd call myself perfect about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm struck as I hear you talk about you know, all the things that you do to prepare for a party and all the ways in which you, you, know, you, you adapt your behavior and you work on things during, during the party. How how unnatural it is to both be eating the way the Western world eats and how unnatural it is for you to have to be sort of the, the special needs child. You, yeah, and you, I, I don't think about it that way, but I know what you're saying, and I, I know that I get a lot of attention as a result of that. Now, luckily, you know, um, this party was uh, one of my best friends. So we went to high school together. She's known me forever. She's an extremely supportive person, and... Um, she asked me, she's like, you know, do you want to bring a dish because there's going to be three or four vegetarians here? And I think everybody else was eating a hog roast is what they had. And I said, sure. And I, you know, I brought a dish that was one of my favorite recipes and then enjoyed it. And then she asked me if I'd bring these collard greens. And, you know, we didn't make much of a fuss about it. There were 50, 55 people there. And every now and then someone would go, hey, what do you, what do you got there? And I said, oh, it's, um, it's a spinach and sweet potato lasagna that I made. And then that was about it. So, I didn't feel like a special needs child that was sitting in a corner with uh, my own food and that I was left out of uh, the party. I had a great evening. I had great conversation. I got to see people I hadn't seen for a long time, and, I, and those are the things I focused on. So you can focus on what you're missing out on, but I'm at a place where I don't really miss um, a lot of those foods. Um, I, I just am focused more on getting to where it is I want to be, which is a healthier person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so have you found that the people who, who've known you for, for you know, for 10, 10 years have been inspired by, by your journey? Are they sort of coming to you and, uh, you know? I, I'm more excited by the fact that my dad has bought both of my cookers. My dad's 87 years old. And um, he's outlived most of his brothers and sisters who have died from one form of the uh, degenerative diseases that we know about or another. Um, and he's outliving all of them. There's three of them left out of nine kids, and he's the oldest, and he, he and um, his youngest sister and then a middle brother are left. Um, and he asked me two weeks ago if I would take him shopping so that we could get some of the ingredients so he could prepare some of the recipes out of my cookbook hmm. because he wanted to eat this way. And, and, and to me, that was huge because I remember a conversation we had sometimes in the past year um, I don't know if it was about the diet necessarily or not, but about him saying, you know, I'm too old to make changes. And I, I'm thinking that he's read the, the, the cookbook and read the book and that something clicked in him that made him think differently. Um, because as you and I know, that no matter how old you are, uh, you can improve your health outcomes and improve how you're feeling um, by changing your diet, by getting up and moving. 
and um, I, I'm inspired. And my younger brother, by the way, who has been on the same yo-yo diet that I've been on all my life, is now eating closer to a plant-based diet. He doesn't eat strictly plant-based, but he um, he eats a lot differently. He's given up the oil. He doesn't eat the dairy. Um, he doesn't miss those things. He's staying away from sugar and, and, and floured. Um, foods and um, and is, is is having some success and and is determined to stick with it. So I'm excited about that because you know I had this vision um, at some point. I'm like, well, what happens when you know if if you know there's no guarantee, but if I live to be the the happy, healthy 80 year olds and, and all my family's gone because they were the unhealthy. And so for me, I'm excited. And I told my younger brother that I said, you know, nothing makes me happier because we're very close. Than, than knowing that you and I will be healthy enough to, to be around when we're, we're old together. Mm. Yep. And I should maybe, you know, just uh, mention that you mentioned your two cookbooks. Well, your, your first one was a uh, New York Times bestseller, right? It was, it was yeah. the, the companion cookbook to uh, Forks Over Knives. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great selling cookbook, that's for sure. So uh, this is... Um, I think that I, I'm in a lucky position to influence my family because I have two good-selling cookbooks that are t- t- saying the same thing so that it kind of makes people have to stand up and pay attention. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, this, I think there's something else in that, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't met you or spoken to you before this conversation, but from, from the book, I really get a sense of how unpreachy you are. There's nothing, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't come across in any way as superior. You start you start out with your story about weighing 475 pounds, and you and you end by saying, "You know what? I'm still trying to lose the last 30 or 40." So yeah, I, there and and you're very circumspect about what we know and what we don't know. There's some there's something very opening and welcome and welcoming about well, your thank you. your uh, your approach that I think makes thank people you. want to sit next to you as opposed to argue. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, you know, I, I'm willing to tell my story to anybody that wants to hear it, but I'm also willing not to. Um, I, I think that you reach people when they're ready um, to reach you. It's, it's one of the tactics we talk about in selling, that um, two people who are determined to buy and sell from each other, you can't keep them apart. Um, but if, if one of the two of them is, is not interested, then you can't get them anywhere near each other. And I, I think that's the truth about, about life. You know, I don't like to be preached to. I, I don't like it. I think it, it's, it's alienating and off-putting, and I'm not that kind of person, and I don't seek out that kind of interaction. Um, I, I think that we can be nice and polite and, and, um, and you know, hopefully telling my stories enough. Um, if, if I reach people that way, then I feel like I'm a, a lucky guy. Right. Well, you have a one-two punch. You have a great story, and then you feed them. <laughs> Then they, <laughs> yeah, right? then they follow you home, right? <laughs> Once you feed them. Yes, sometimes they do. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's a much better approach, don't you think? Oh yeah, I mean it's uh, you know in the end life can be a a, a party or or a, you know a prison, a battleground. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Get, we you know we, we can't always choose. But around around our food, I would pr- I would prefer it to be much more joyful than uh, than miserable. Yeah, me too. Me too. Let's make it as easy on each other and ourselves as possible because it's hard enough without us having to make it harder. Right on. Well, Chef Dell, thank you so much for taking the time to to share your story and your your generosity and your outlook and your recipes with us. I really Howard, really, I- really appreciate it. Thank you. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you very much. 
All right. Be well. You too.